Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast. I hope everyone's having a great week. Um, This week, I'm just going to dive into a bunch of questions. I asked you guys what type of questions you want me to cover on the next podcast. Sometimes I find it to be the easiest if we just... um, every now and then just kind of do like a smorgasbord of like random question you guys have to make sure that we're always talking about things that are relevant for your caseloads and for what you guys want to hear about. So of course I'm not necessarily an expert in any of these areas, um, but I'll just share with you my thoughts, what I've seen, some other resources you can go to to learn more, and just some stuff based off of my experiences. So I'm just going to dive into the questions um, and I'm just going to go over a few because we won't have time for everything, so just things that came up a lot. So one question is, where can I learn more about AAC as a CF? Almost my whole caseload is AAC and I need help. Okay, so first of all, um, practical AAC, I'll put it in the description of the podcast, is a very, very good website for goals on AAC and just, it it's just very, it, it very in-depth means um, of learning more about AAC. So that's a great resource. So practical AAC. It's going to be in the description of this podcast. Of this podcast, Emily Diaz SLP, that's her Instagram handle, is an AAC expert. So I would definitely recommend that you go to Emily Diaz SLP and she has a lot of information on AAC there. Um, and she has like a lot in her bio as well. So I would just definitely go there. She calls in her, I'm looking at her Instagram right now and she says that she is your virtual AAC coach, teaching you better systems to manage AAC confidently and support your student and teams. So definitely go check out Emily Diaz SLP. And the other thing I would recommend is um, Mr. Clay has some great, this isn't necessarily where you can learn more about AAC, but for kids using AAC, maybe if you're seeing them virtually, um, Mr. Clay's YouTube channel has great resources for children using AAC. So that's like a great resource for different activities you can do. And even if you watch them, you can see different ways that you can target certain core words and things like that. Um, On top of that, I would say look out for any local conferences in your area because like I know that I went to um, the BC SLP conference, I think a year or two ago, and there was a talk that lasted for three days or something like that. It was all on AAC. I learned so much. So look into going to conferences and learning more that way. Also, webinars. So like I've Googled like SLP webinars that are free, maybe on your province or state's um, website for like continuing credits, continuing education credits. A lot of time they're free with your college ID um, and you can learn a lot that way. Other than that, I would maybe even ask Emily Diaz if she has other recommendations for you to learn more about AAC. Um, I know like for Touch Chat, I, a lot of my kids use Touch Chat. I wanted to familiarize myself with that more. So I went on YouTube and I actually found it's the part one, part two on how to do everything on Touch Chat, like how to figure out anything you need to figure out. You can figure that out on like a lot of YouTube videos on Touch Chat and things like that. So I hope that's helpful for the first question. Um, just like my thoughts on that question overall. Another person said, what are your top three therapy materials? So obviously this would really vary depending on your caseload, but three therapy materials that I think absolutely every SLP should have if you're working with preschoolers. I'm going to give you a four. I'm going to give you four, actually not top three, top four. Velcro food. Those little pieces of food that you Velcro together with a little knife you can cut. Kids love that. It, it's 
it's so good for pretend play and there's different levels of pretend play you can do with that so you can just cut or you can feed so my next one would be a puppet have a have a big puppet with a big mouth and you can feed the puppet the puppet can eat you can easily share you can do same different with the different velcro foods the sound can sometimes grab kids attention they can look at you more so just so much you can do with velcro food i love velcro food i think every slp should have velcro food i think every slp should have a big puppet with a big mouth um, because you can just nibble on the food and open the mouth wide and really get the kid's attention. It can be super fun. And then I think every SLP should have a balloon pump. Those pumps off Amazon or the dollar store where you pump the balloons and then you let it go around the room. The kid's like, wow, that was so exciting. They can choose the color of the balloon. It's a great communication temptation because they almost definitely cannot put the balloon on and pump it up themselves they're going to need help they're going to need to ask for more things like that it's a great communication temptation i'd be careful and your first time you let the balloon go i would not do it too loud or anything because some kids are quite sensitive sensory wise um for that and ball poppers are a great one too because oftentimes kids need help putting the little ball in the popper and that's another one that you can find on amazon um and or the dollar store, and that's another good communication temptation, and just a lot of cause and effect games. So yeah, Velcro food, I think puppets, I love finger puppets too, um, balloon pumps, ball poppers, I also love books like Where's Spot and things like that, but yeah, I would, I could go on for a long time on that, but I would say those are like some key ones that you should have. Um, okay, someone said totally unimportant, but curious, how did you dress for grad school classes? So I'm totally okay to answer that. I would say like for the first little bit, everyone tries hard and they dress up and um, not like dress up, but like you kind of like look more business casual. I think that's what they told us to wear. But honestly, by the end of it, people are wearing sweatpants, people are wearing leggings. You can wear whatever you want to grad school. I would just say for the first little bit before just try to gauge it, I would dress like semi nice and then kind of see what goes from there. However, for your clinical placements, I would definitely recommend wearing more businessy clothes. Like, I wouldn't wear, like, blue jeans or anything like that. Or, like, I've seen some people wear, like, crop tops and things like that. I, I would not do that. I would definitely, definitely err on the side of caution um, and always be a little bit more dressed up than your clinical educator. If you're less dressed up than your clinical educator, that's, like, a very bad sign. So just don't, don't do that. Okay. Um, tips for working with kids with suspected childhood apraxia of speech. So I'm not even going to go into this because I myself want to learn more about childhood apraxia of speech. My niece actually has it. So it's definitely an area of interest for me, but right now I don't have any of my kids on my caseload with suspected or diagnosed apraxia of speech. So I don't know a lot about it. And in which case, um, I'm just going to recommend you learn elsewhere. Not, not here. So Carrie Ebart or Ebert. Uh, seminars, her Instagram, Anna DSLP's Instagram, SLP Mommy of Apraxia's Instagram. Go there, look at their information. I, as I learn more, I will share more, but I want to get some training in this and learn more about this. But um, yeah, that's what I would say to go for that. Okay, any insider tips on what Canadian grad schools are looking for in a strong applicant? So a few things I know for sure is like, it's very good to have research in some capacity it doesn't need to be published journal articles it could be experience in a research lab it could be experience working on a certain study just make sure you have that to a certain extent i know ubc specifically really likes that so i would have some sort of research 
I would make sure your GPA is high. You just can't get around it. Try to have very like a high as high a GPA as you can. Like that's definitely important. Um, and I think your experiences will speak for themselves. Like you should have a variety of experiences, but do what you want to do. Do what feels right. Don't do just what you think they want to see. Like if you're very interested in a certain population, do that. Um, otherwise, I, I think like the only one that wouldn't be like obvious would be like the research. Cause I remember I was told that and I was like, Ooh, I wouldn't have had any research. They wouldn't have, um, when SLP would have told me that. So, okay. So someone said articulation, kids that are so focused on saying the sound that the entire word gets so jumbled. <sighs> I feel like this could be a whole podcast on articulation too. And overall, I would say like adventures in speech pathology or, um, oh, I just forgot the other SLP. Anyways, lots, lots of good ones on Instagram. But I would just say one thing that helps me is like if a child's having a really tough time with the entire word I would just think about stepping down right so we're always thinking about stepping up stepping down when we're doing therapy um so you might need to step down if he's having a really hard time and you're you're losing you're losing the word or you're losing the sound so if you're at a cvc word cvcv two uh syllables maybe step down to one syllable words and if you're having a really hard time with um two syllable words another thing you can do is segment it so like using your two hands if it's like um, what's a two syllable word like shadow, you know, that's probably a bad example. But anyways, you open one hand sha, and open the other hand do, or you show them one block and then another block, or you draw it on a whiteboard one, one area. And then you draw on the whiteboard, the other area, if that makes sense, where you segment into the two clear syllables. So the child's really breaking it apart. If that's really hard. You might want to step down to CVC words or CV words and, um, just, or maybe even go back to the sound level. Like, but also at the same time, we want to be cognizant of like, working on the sound that the kid is working on, not trying to work on every sound. So all the time it'll happen where like a kid is maybe practicing K and then their S, maybe they have a little lisp and the, sometimes the parents want to jump in and, and try to fix that. But we're not focusing on that right now. We're focusing on the K. So also just being clear on what the goal is um, and that it's okay if they jumble up. Like, not I don't really know what you mean by jumble up, but like it's okay if they aren't able to do every single sound on the word. I would also be cognizant of using words that have sounds that help that sound. So Adventure in Speech Pathology talks about this a lot, like making sure the environment of that sound is a good, like a, a one that supports that sound's production. Okay. What do you bring to an initial, uh, this person said initial conversation, but I think they mean initial assessment. And I will tell you that I cover all of this on my podcast that I did before. So that's episode 72, SLP Corner Assessments for Children 6 and Under, Tips and Tricks, Ideas, Materials, Resources. So go check that one out. That kind of covers that. Okay. I hope this was helpful. Little little short uh, podcast this week. And um, yeah, it's kind of nice to just sometimes cover random questions that you guys have. Let me know if you have any other thoughts, any other resources, and I'll share it with everyone on my stories. And I hope you guys have an awesome week.